Hi, it's episode four of the Lost Map podcast. I'm speaking to you today from a place that isn't Egg, the island of. I don't know if you can tell, there's there's not many sheep sounds in the background. Just listen closely. No sheep. So yeah, that's because I'm in Edinburgh. I'm down on the mainland because we've just had our fifth birthday party as a record label. Lost Map turned five years old this summer. And uh, we just threw a big all-day party in Edinburgh at the weekend. It was good fun. And as you can tell from my throat, I'm a little bit raspy. Which is perfect timing, because I'm about to travel down south to do some recording for a Pictish Trail album. So that's good. That's good that I've lost my voice. Brilliant. Anyway, episode four of the Lost Map podcast. It is great to have you here, listening. This episode is about the... Well, it's an introductory episode to the second part of our Visitations project. Visitations is a residency project that is devised and compiled by Lost Map Records, in which we invite artists over to the island of Egg, which is where I live in the Hebrides normally. Artists come over and stay for a week, they write and record, and then we snaffle those recordings and squeeze them, press them firmly onto a bit of vinyl, which you can subscribe to. Does any of that make sense? I mean, I'm sure most of you know what the deal is by now. If you don't know what the deal is, listen to the previous episodes. Don't just skip to episode four, it's ridiculous. The one thing that I should, or that I will sort of drill into you, oh God, is the fact that if you subscribe to Visitations, either for the physical package or the digital package, all the money that's that's collected from those subscriptions is put into the next series. And so, yeah, by supporting this series, you'll be supporting the next one. Does that make sense? Look, just buy a... If you want to hear the music as part of this project, which people have spent a lot of time on, then, you know... Subscribe. I'm saying this in a sort of weird tone. We've had we've had tons of subscribers, <laughs> and uh, pretty much the next series is going to happen based on the subscriptions we've had already. We're near our target, uh, which is great. But um, we can certainly do with a few more subscribers. So if you want to support the project or just support this podcast, then yes, go to lostmap.com forward slash visitations. This is episode four then of the Lost Map podcast and it is a conversation with the pop music duo Free Love who are from Glasgow. Free Love are formerly known FKA as (laughs) Happy Meals. Um, You might be familiar with their work as Happy Meals. Certainly when they came over to the island at the end of September 2017 until the beginning of October 2017, They were still operating, functioning, eating and swallowing as Happy Meals. But in the intervening 12 months, they've changed their name and they are now Free Love. It is the work of Lewis Cook and Susie Rodden. Yeah, they're really lovely people. And they were suggested to me, as I I mentioned in the previous podcast, by Monogonon, John B. McKenna. When we first started this project, we got the funding in from Creative Scotland. Thank you, Create Scotland. And we wanted to just get cracking on with the project straight away. So, And I knew that the first act that I wanted to be part of the thing was Monogonon. So we got him onto the island and he and he recorded for the week and it was amazing. And in one of our conversations, John was like, oh, you know, who'd be great for this it would be Happy Meals. And I was already a fan of that band. The records that they released at that point, they'd put out an album in 2015 called Apero. There was a follow-up EP, which is also like an album, really, because it's quite long. Fruit Juice EP. Both of them came out in the Night School label in Glasgow. 
And then they had another album that came out this time last year called Full Ashram Devotional Ceremony Parts 4 to 6, I think is what, <laughs> is what that is. I think maybe the previous parts have been available as a cassette tape. But yeah, so they had quite a back catalogue of stuff and I'd seen them perform live. I did Pictures Trail, did a few shows with them last summer. They played with me at a show I did at the Caves and then we did a bunch of festivals together. And their live performance is just something out of this world. And it's still as strong as ever. In fact, it, they've gone from strength to strength. This year, as Free Love, they've released a bunch of singles. And at our Strange Invitation event that we just had at the weekend, they headlined, and it was just mind-blowing. They, if you haven't seen Free Love perform, I would, I would heavily recommend it because they are one of the most exciting, inventive live acts in, in Scotland, if not the world. The world. The world. So great really engaging and and fun the sound that they make i've not really described that yet i mean i I guess you can probably just listen to the music yourself and decide for yourself but it's very high energy italo disco rave pop in places that then sort of meets there's like another side to their sound that's very hypnotic and immersive and yogic um, very psychedelic. It's really great. And so, yes, they came, they accepted. Whilst uh, John was on the island, Monogonon was doing the project, I emailed them and they agreed. And yeah, a few months later, it was September, end of September 2017, they came over. And yes, during that week of their stay, we had a conversation, which is what you're about to listen to. And the first conversation, the, like I said before, um, when the artists are on the island, I try not to talk about the music that they're creating there and then because it's it's hard to have any perspective. So this first interview is really just to kind of give you a bit of background information on who Happy Meals Stroke Free Love are, were, and uh, also just to get, for you, to get to know them as people. Um, and then the follow-up episode, which I've yet to record, the follow-up episode to this one will be an interview with them one year on from their experience. Uh, in this conversation, though, the first one that we had, um, there's a few bits and bobs that we chat about. So we, it was meant to be like a conversation about who, you know, how they got to where they are as Happy Meals. Although we didn't end up talking about Happy Meals and their music that they've created that much. It was more sort of a discussion about how they, uh, how their appreciation of music started. And, um, and we had a really big discussion about music in schools and how music is taught and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. And, it, I, you know, I'm quite new to this podcast thing, so I hadn't really planned things too specifically. So it meant the conversations just sort of naturally went where it went. And uh, there's a bit where we talk about accessibility in music and about how where um, you live sometimes informs what music, you know, you're exposed to. And uh, so there's a bit in the conversation where we talk about James Holden and the Animal Spirits performing on the Isle of Egg as part of our Howland Fling Festival. Free Love hadn't been at that event, so I was just explaining to them what it was like. And it was incredible. James Holden headlined our Saturday night and we had like kids from the area who were like, you know, teenagers from the area who had bought tickets and were there who were down the front with their taps off (laughs) and like really going for it. And... Yeah, it's the sort of music that doesn't normally exist in the Highlands. And so, yeah, that's what that part of the conversation is about, in case any of you get a bit confused. (laughs) Uh, There's also a bit of conversation at the beginning where I talk about a scene from a comedy show called Stella 
there's three comedians in America who perform under the name Stella. And um, yeah, there's a specific clip about them meeting Santa Claus's wife. Anyway, those two bits of information aside, I'll let you listen to the rest of the conversation. And so, yes, open your minds, relax, take off your clothes. Don't take off your clothes. You can take off your clothes if you want. It's fine. Listen to this conversation. Hope you enjoy it. I'll be at the end of it just to reassure you that you've reached the end. And uh, you might hear some snippets of some music recorded for the Visitations Project interspersed. In fact, maybe maybe we're going to hear some now. It's this <laughs> Well worth watching. I'll send you the DVD. I love the way that tailed off. They're also in this class. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I'll send you You can see it. It's, it's not a very convincing bit. Wonder what he means by unconvincing Nick. Let's just stop the chair. Okay, cool. Susie, whereabouts exactly are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, a little bit in the Highlands near Alness. I was there until primary two. Mm. And then uh, I we moved to Ayrshire and I stay, I was there until second year and then we moved to Dumfries and Galloway. So right. kind of a wee bit, very north and very south and then in the middle. And you stayed in Dumfries and Galloway until you Until you I moved to Glasgow, yeah, yeah. And was it quite a musical family that you were from? Is there Was there music in the family? Yeah, well, my parents have always, they listened to a lot of music. There was always music in the house, but they, they both kind of, I think they, they aspired to be more musical themselves. So I remember my mum, my mum's always played the piano mm. and that was something that she encouraged me and I've got three sisters, all four of us learned to play the piano. And uh, mum sort of sat her grade exams at the same time as we were. So she she kind of always wanted to do that. And I remember my dad, my dad used to play the bass guitar and he tried to play the violin a little bit as well. Oh, wow. Uh, I can only remember one tune that he used to play over and over and over and over again. But he he obviously enjoyed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the four of us were all, we were encouraged to, to, to play music. And uh, so, yeah, we all played the piano and... Uh, I played the flute as well, so but it was kind of more of a. I never wrote my own music. It was always I, I played it, and I, I went through the grade exams, and that was kind of the like it was about technique and you know the more of a classical sort of aspect. Mm. And theory, I would imagine, is yeah, quite a big part oh, of that. Yeah, which I just found so boring. <laughs> uh, did you play with your sisters at all? Actually, no. I mean, I think that's I think that's maybe what my parents were really hoping to make the big bucks on some family <laughs> yeah exactly like four sisters but no we never really that did that would have been gold I know, I know. god I it's know. only now I'm thinking about it, like, <laughs> there's still time maybe if we had four pianos in the house we could all have like set them up at different corners <laughs> in the room or something Steve Ray. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
it was very much a sort of uh, a schooled approach to yeah. performing at that yeah, point. Yeah, definitely. Were you performing in school? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, well, yeah, so, but it was kind of more like, um, uh, I was actually, it's funny, I, I was at, I'd met up with a whole load of school friends recently, like a couple of people that I hadn't seen in ages. And when we were doing uh, higher music, we were all in a, there was a group of about four or five of us that we were all in a position that we were all so far ahead of what we were supposed to be doing had we just been doing higher that the music teacher just let us sit in a room and we'd just sort of jam and like but not making our own music we'd play song we'd do like cover things or you know like it was kind of mostly from musicals and things but I suppose that that was a real enjoyment of us all playing together we just that was that was brilliant just like being left in a room for the period just to play music um, oh, were so, you playing piano? In yeah, playing piano. Yeah, mm. and I put on concerts and things at school. That was something I really, really enjoyed. I, like the, I found the concerts that the school organised um, kind of boring and quite, you know, like here's so and so playing the bagpipe piece they can play, and it's like nobody yeah, yeah. really wants to see that. So like a whole load of kids who'd been doing bands themselves, they came and played fun. I quite enjoyed comparing. I remember that was that was a real sort of like. Maybe that's kind of the beginning of my <laughs> performance personality. <laughs> Need to be the centre of attention at all times. <laughs> like, but that I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like um, that that was a really good thing. It was a school in in Thornhill, which is a really small town. So that mm. you know, it was quite. You kind of knew everybody that did everything, and yeah, I've done music since I was really young, but never to an extent where I was creating my own. It was more sort of yeah, sort of the classical approach of learning to play, but not really trying to branch out on your own I suppose so you moved to Glasgow mm. for university yeah and you were like 17, 18 at this point yeah straight to Glasgow so that's kind of where you two met isn't it we met about six months before we started university I think yeah oh right okay yeah, yeah. so we so we've I was 16 years old. And I was 17. Then so tell us about where you're from, Lewis. You're from Moffat. I'm from Moffat, which is actually like 12... Well, it's pretty close to, to Thornhill. Mm. But we didn't know each other as we, we were growing up. And we, we kind of... Um, we met through Friends of Friends. We got together. But we didn't start making music for a long time. It was... We, we were both... You know, we, we both talked about music. And we both like like... You know, shared a lot of music with each other, and you know, and went to gigs, and like always, there was always, it was always, it was always a big part of our relationship. But but you've created music yourself since you were really young. Yeah, I was, I was making music. I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about like music education, and 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 uh, I think maybe it was just maybe my experience at school because I've I've had I've had really positive experiences as well. But like I've I, I found, you know, I was tell I was telling you the other day about that experience, which really it was retrospectively. I was kind of pissed off about it. There was like, at school, we would sit there and get told how to. You have to learn how to read music. You have to um, learn how to play Old MacDonald on the crappy Casio keyboard. And then like me and my friends would li- would sit with our headphones on and realize that the crappy Casio keyboards had the DJ button. And you could make it like <laughs> do all these like drum sounds and like you could. And we'd sit there and we'd be like, "Hey man, check out what I've just been doing." And you just sit there and you'd like play the drum sounds and and like you know all the DJ DJ. And it's like you know, you're just like this is cool. This is like this is what I want to be doing and. And and every time you'd get into trouble, like as if you're like this, maybe that was partly part of the attraction. I don't know. It's just this this other thing you could be doing. Mm. But at the same time, 
it felt a lot more musical than sitting learning how to play old MacDonald. As useful as that is, you know, like to learn the notes and be able to, I, I see, I understand why people teach music that way, but it does seem a bit archaic in some ways when you consider the way that, that technology has mm. developed. And like, I always think it would be much better if, if kids had like an introduction to like music production or yeah. like had some sort of like, you know, here's how to use Ableton. That, or, that does exist to a certain yeah. extent, but it's still kind of seen as this sort of side, like, oh, and uh, for the, the, the group of three of you yeah. have shown, you know, who've but actually yeah, but, said. But, but, no, but even, even I, remember, I remember even at Glasgow University, I, I continued, I, I studied music. So I, I, I when we, the day we met, the very first day we met was actually a significant moment and in, in for another, another sense as well, because I really remember really clearly it was Glasgow University Open Day. Mm. And the, I walked into the room, Susie was in the room, that was the first time we'd ever had any contact. But um, I remember there was a meeting, it was like a sort of, they talked through the course at Glasgow University Music, here's what you do. Um, and I, I as again, 16 years old, and it was like pretty, you know, it's intimidating. You go into this massive place. This is a whole and, year before you actually moved there. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. So, so this was... Uh, it's about six months. Maybe it was about, it must have been recently no, turned 16 as well. That, so it was 15, yeah. 16. Wow. And, 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 and I, I was there at the open day, like, you know, it's quite intimidating. And I had like, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I know it means something to them where I had my A at higher and I was on course to get an A at advanced higher music. Mm. I remember asking, I said like... Uh, I said, do you need to be able to read Western notation to do the course? And her answer was, it disgusts me that someone could apply for a music course and not read Western notation. And I, and, and I was just like, so... It's such a, like colonial way of thinking and and like the reason I asked specifically Western was because I could I could read Indian notation from studying uh, you know um, classical raga music and, and things like that it's obviously a lot more simplified but the, the whole point of that for me was that I opened up a world where the, the, the emphasis isn't on written notation and and also the, all the music I was written to I wasn't listening to music and then going, oh, I can't wait to buy the score for that. You know, it's like you you, you, you listen to the music and you're like, this is what it's about. I don't, I, there was something really disturbing about that. And I guess that's what's put this beam upon it is, is this, this, this sort of way of looking at things where it can all be reduced to, you know, black and white on, on a bit of paper and, and that, almost that being put as the most important thing. And I think like I started off with some lessons. My school had guitar lessons mm. and I, hated them I absolutely hated it <clears throat> I just I, I, I gave up on it and then like once I started listening to like oh I can actually play that Slipknot song and it may have just been a case of like plugging a distortion pedal into a guitar and then realising that actually that bit's just two notes and I can play those two notes Yeah, I can do that and then you suddenly realise you're playing the same thing as the corn guitarist and it's like for me it was actually like a euphoric moment where it was just I could realise that I could play the the music that I love. Like it wasn't this. It was like learning to be able to do a magic trick or something like that. You could. Mm. It's like you, you're suddenly you're the magician. And you can do it, and you can show it to other people, and you can go, look what I can do. And and that that was like a a really significant moment, and so much more significant than any sort of like sense of achievement where it was like, okay, yeah, cool, you've passed that, that grade one on you, your music theory or whatever. It was. Just, I, 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 it had to be, a, but maybe I think that's partly my personality as well. Where it had to be about me, it had to be about my own thing. Um, 
a bit self-centred in that way but so western notation in that respect doesn't really take into account how the music is expressed and being able to control the music through uh, effects and through different filters and all sorts yeah. of stuff it's something where you there was like an awakening there where you're like oh actually I can create something musical that you, that can't be expressed yeah well, I think the thing is like, the music when I went at this time when I was first getting into it and I was sort of t- teaching you how to read music I remember really clearly going into a lesson and it was like okay here's how you play uh, Apache and it's like okay relax that's not your phone that's fine and, and that's cool but like how do you get that delay sound and how do you get the like how do you, and, and 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 also I was listening to a lot of like like corn and slipknot and and that sort of stuff and and you listen to the, even even you know you listen to the guitar tone in these things and they've just got these absolutely aerospace sounds and it's just because they've just got a rig of pedals all plugged into different things and they're not trying to make it sound like a guitar i was never really into metal music like metallica or anything that felt too it felt too conservative for for me at that time it was kind of almost like classically influenced and whereas i quite liked the noisiness of some of the the the, the new metal stuff you know yeah, which is yeah. just a bit more chaotic but also hyper produced as well in a in a weird way when you listen back to it but i just like the idea of making these odd sounds and i think that's kind of weird like the first get into playing synthesizers it's like there's no right way to use it you know, it's just like a sound palette. There's no like, there's no formula for using. It. There's like set things that people do, and there's like the presets and stuff like that. But it's I think it's just nice just to approach an instrument, and it's like the more wrong you do it, the more interesting you're. you're the, the more right you're doing it, if you know what I mean. And, mm. um, you have to make the mistakes, and you have to discover the instrument for yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, the sound for yourself. Yeah, mm. and then the, the mistakes kind of become your sound. You know, it's yeah. like you you find certain things, and you're like, that's that is. It has a pretty weird sound. It doesn't sound quite right. You know, cool. That's that's what makes it interesting for a listener. And that I've been trying to introduce in the last episode I spoke to John about what were the records that you were listening to uh, in your early teens and what were the records you were listening to in your later teens from 16 onwards and are they the same sort of things that you would listen to now or is there anything that's formative from those the into the music that you're that you're currently making uh, Susie what were you listening to in your sort of in your early teens oh god it's embarrassing well uh, <laughs> It's kind of, I was listening to kind of a mix of things. I think I really liked a lot of the things that my parents listened to. Like, they listened to a lot of Billy Joel and, like, James Taylor and stuff like that. And I really, really enjoyed all that stuff. And then I kind of got into, so interestingly, I was listening to a lot of sort of Slipknot and Corn and stuff about and Marlon Manson and all those, like, all that kind of stuff in Rammstein as well, actually. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but coupled with that, um, really, really, I don't know if I should admit this or not, but things like My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco. and But for me, it was kind of like, it was a sort of a first sort of realisation that, I don't know, watching people perform and, you know, like having fun on stage and things like that instead of 
somebody coming in very sort of gravely sitting down an instrument and then you know imparting their their knowledge and their their ability you know to to an audience um so yeah I got into a lot of really terrible music but then I also discovered things like uh, I remember hearing Sigur Ross for the first time and just mm. thinking I'd never heard anything like that before there was a friend that posted me their cd and he also posted me red hot chili peppers blood sugar sex magic and that totally i know that totally that cd honestly totally blew my mind as well because it was a lot of it was really playful and but it was also really artistic and again i'd never you know about this point it was about 14 15 and so hadn't really experienced anything like that at all and sort of after listening to a whole load of stuff like that my friends and i started going to music festivals which again was another huge awakening Mm. And um, we went to, it was Leeds Fest that we went to like two years in a row, which I think, to be totally honest, the same bands are still playing, (laughs) or have played this year as when I went years ago. Um, But I'd heard heard the CD of this band, Battles, and I couldn't picture at all how on earth they would do it live. I was, you know, without, I I had no idea. And so me and my friend Sky went, we were right down the front, we were kind of like, just enjoying being at a festival. And then they were, it sounded like they were sound checking, and it was only (laughs) 20 minutes in we were like my god that's them that sounds like (laughs) wow I love it (laughs) where'd I get the score for this (laughs) but yeah I mean it's odd isn't it because you can't really imagine a band like that getting booked for something yeah 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 Yeah, like Leeds Festival they were on this like really small stage but it's quite amazing though because you get so many bands like that who do get booked for something like really odd and they'll come away maybe being like that was a weird show to play at yeah Yeah. but but then there's people Two young girls. In yeah, who are like listening, going, "This is yeah. why I, they they don't they're not going to the experimental art festival that's like yeah. just bearded chin strokers. It's like they're going to like the fun gig that teenagers go to, yeah. and then to see that and be exposed to something which is a bit different. And it's like such an uh, an important and, and defining thing. I think. Yeah. Headlining the Monster Energy Drink Skateboard Stage. It's bearded. Chip Stoker. What? So, yeah. so what you were talking about the other day when you when there was like a a pair of kids watching James Holden just like to, they they no idea who James Holden is or yeah. anything like but they're just there tops off like just going for it. <laughs> it was exciting because this area is somewhere there where like predominantly when the community comes together in the sort of surrounding towns and on the islands um, that. it'll be Kayleigh's or it'll be music that's sort of steeped in tradition that'll have Mm. a crossover maybe with something more electronic or 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 something dancey but to have something that was using like modular synths and all this sort of stuff and something that's a little bit more free (laughs) sounding and seeing the same ages of audience kind of uh, locally totally surrendering themselves to it and kind of yeah tops off they were down the front (laughs) I think that that's the thing like it's 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 about trying so much of of making music is about trying to for me is like trying to create that same feelings that you have from music when you're young and like and and like the magic moments I remember going to see Slipknot at at, at the SCCC and like I'll never forget that first like 10 minutes and they had like 10 minutes at the beginning of their set where it was just noise like it's just like at at the beginning of the records they always have these kind of weird like intro tracks and mm. it was just like that for for like 10 minutes and just this crowd of like I don't know how many thousands of people it, it felt full big hall of the SCCC and it's absolutely blasting through and like th- that they've taken an opportunity where they go like 
going, we're going to have, you know, what, 50,000 people in a hall, all like re- so ready for this to happen. Yeah. Like, how do we draw this? How do we make this special? And it's like, and then, but also so weird. So, so weird. It's like, just this weird sample being sp- played slowed down sped up and slowed down and it sounds like it built up a lot of tension oh it yeah. really did and then eventually the whole they had a big curtain across the stage and the curtain came down and they played their songs and it's like and in some ways like I just remember it and it was like oh this is amazing and it was like it was such a, a, a an amazing thing they were playing their set and everything but the bit before it was like whoa this is something that I'd never experienced before where they were just doing this repetitive almost like a trance like state where you had all these people just absolutely ravenous for this thing and and but quite disturbing the music over the top subscribe to visitation subscribe to visitation subscribe to visitation subscribe to visitation I think the, the difficulty with experimental music so much is it can be so exclusive or it can be too heady, you know, somebody can have like a really interesting idea but it sort of exists only in an art gallery, it's like this, it's like a, it exists in this sort of like um, isolated space where you're you're supposed to go and like appreciate it and go hmm. you're preparing yourself for that experience you're preparing yeah. yourself for something that's going to be possibly quite difficult or something which, and which, it's only somebody who specifically would go to that show yeah but it also it also gives you as an as an audience member as a participant as a whatever like an otherness to it where you're like you're going in as a voyeur you're sort of going in to go, like examine and go hmm but it's an interesting piece of art, you know. Like rather than sort so of a detachment, yeah. And yeah. I think there's something so much more pure about those like kids jumping around and like going, "This is what I love," you know. They're they're experiencing it the way it should be experienced, even if James Holden never intended it to be that way. <laughs> it's like I think that's the best thing. And it took me a while to put all these things together. It was only through experience of going to gigs where you go to something, and you just see like the the primal connection with people and you see like you can go to certain gigs and, and it can be like it can have all the pretext it can have all the you know wire magazine front cover it's all just very well this is so so intelligent music yeah. and and then and you go there and it's kind of just it's just all a bit limp because it's like everybody there is like you know they're, they're all kind of there to examine it with their their mind it's a lot more guarded isn't it yeah it's very it's very guarded and and as a kid, ironically, moving from the, the like a village, your your perspective is that like people who like the same things as you are very like like you as well. Mm. And like as a 15, 16 year old kid, you're not like somebody who is like, you know, in, in their 50s and, you know, is into jazz, but they may be like the same band. There's that crossover there. Yeah. So like you're kind of going to these gigs and it was like almost a little bit of a culture shock where you're kind of like whoa why is nobody jumping about why is nobody like having fun like you know and and everyone's left their shirts on yeah 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 everybody's got their shirts on this is so weird we're kind of the first generation to grow up with the internet in a lot of ways where it's like by the time i was like 13 14 i was on the internet every day talking Mm. to friends checking like looking at bands and looking at oh oh, cool like mogwai have recommended a band called boards of canada like oh check that out Mm. and like I know that I wouldn't have had access to that if it wasn't for the internet at that time. I just had access to stuff that, that people maybe like a few years before wouldn't have maybe had that access to. Like I remember taking a day off school 
to go and see Colleen, who's like a kind oh, of. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to Glasgow to see Colleen. And she was doing this matinee thing at the Panopticon. At the time, it was like a totally normal thing. And it was like, maybe there'll be other school kids at this gig as well. And there weren't any other school kids. But it was like, but it was like me, I, I just remember me and a pal of my friends from school all went, got, got the day trip up to, to, to the day off school to go to this. The distance, had we lived in Glasgow, had we grown up in Glasgow, Maybe we wouldn't have done that because it would just been like you, you. Oh, that's not for us. That's not our thing. Our thing yeah. is this, or like you know. Uh, but this sort of like lack of understanding of the categ- the categories that things kind of go into. You just see it on the internet, or you see it from afar, and you just go, "That's cool. I like that. I'm going to go for that." And um, and even more so now, it's amazing what kids are exposed to and what kids can discover mm. having not just growing up with the internet, but there's never been a point where it's been a new thing for them. It's just, they're so used to it. There was a, somebody came to one of our gigs in Edinburgh and he had been a student in Orkney while I'd been a teacher there. He'd been in sixth year. And he told us that he'd put Happy Meals on at a party while I was teaching at Orkney. And, but he didn't know it was, he didn't know it was me. So, you know, being able to access Glasgow bands, you know, from Orkney at that yeah, young yeah. age when they are very much seeped in traditional yeah. culture and everybody's an incredible fiddle player. Um, you know, that's amazing. I th- well, that's such a wealth of stuff now, isn't there? Because not only these days, not only have you got access to all the music that's kind of been created now and everything that's kind of going on, you know, internationally, you can you can dip your toes into every sort of scene if you want to if you'd spend enough time on the internet searching out but you can also go back and hear stuff that's been created over the previous seven decades yeah, yeah. and that's something that when i was growing up buying records you know there was a whole you know stuff in the 60s 70s and 80s that were sort of confined to nuggets box sets and yeah, things that were yeah. collected on sort of rare compilations are now suddenly completely yeah. open to exactly the entire yeah. world uh, I wonder if it means that you dismiss things a lot more easily now instead of giving things a chance as well because that's some you know a track comes on you're like I don't like that one you know I'm really guilty of that sort of yeah. 10 second plate no nope, yeah, that's yeah, it yeah exactly whereas before you had to so I suppose maybe that's a downside before you would have bought the record dedicated the time to mm. listening to it and listening to it again and yeah, yeah. but people also I think listeners that like that experience of being the 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 explorer your exploration rather in like across space space is like through time there's lots of labels doing these retrospective like kind of minimal wave dark entries cold wavy stuff some amazing music just unearthed but the thing that really struck me was this narrative that about this music the thing that tied it all together just didn't exist like these bands didn't know each other totally dis- disparate they, they maybe all came from belgium or france but mm. They had no communication with each other whatsoever, and the idea that there was like a there was a sort of network scene that was underground, and they were all like you know, it. Just, it didn't happen. It's all a retrospective, like Jung's um, common consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like they, they they were all thinking. They were all sharing the same line, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's almost like a sense of prestige put on music from the past. They can't do anything wrong, you know. The, the person's dead now, or the person in the band's finished, and they have this. Like, you can you can put a full stop on it and go like okay, that's what it is. Mm. And and it, for the kind of librarian listener, it's quite a, a nice way to categorise things. I wonder if that is just uh, something that people feel once the passage of time's happened. So like maybe even like 15, 20 years from now, people look back on acts from, this, from 
this era and kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah they were really pioneers and totally, doing yeah. something, which well, at the time was probably just regarded as, oh, they're ripping off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What music is it that they're going to listen to? Because if you think about what, you know, the majority of people listen to, you know, like Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, like mm. all that kind of stuff, is that what people will listen to and associate with that time? Or will they look underneath that? Because a lot of the stuff that we listen back to in, you know, the 60s and 70s and 80s, that was all mainstream. Although there's plenty of stuff that wasn't mainstream that you would still have listened to. But but do you not think also there like there's this kind of sickliness at the mo- present moment when you listen to like maybe Justin Bieber or something like that? You might be like, oh god, I'm not not really that into it. But then if you're able to like extrapolate it from the context, it's really good. Like it is really good. Justin Bieber is really good. <laughs> yeah. And and like and and I think like maybe when you when you look back at it, like it's the same way that like. You can look back now at Gina G and play Saturday Night. For all you pedants, yes, Saturday Night was by Wigfield. Carry on, Lewis. Okay. Out in the club and be like, this is amazing. This is so, so good. And everybody Venga has Boys. this stuff. I appreciate yeah. Big Venga Boys nights. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's it's why it's why a case in point. I'm DJing like, and everyone's like, yes! Get the Venga bus going. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, God! too late to kind of have a, a full history of uh, Happy Meal so we'll probably get into that more next time but what I'll do quickly just now is ask you about what your experiences have been like this week. Did you have anything specifically in mind as to what it might be like and was it different to that? It's felt quite ethereal to me, Like I felt, I felt like having that opportunity to not be on the internet, not to mm. have any distractions and also to des- set time aside where it's like this is recording this is time that side of it was 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 really liberating and healthy. Mm. Then there was the other side, which was which was also really liberating and healthy, which was actually just being out of the city and just kind of a sense of kind of isolation. Because I kind of feel at home. I get a horrible feeling whenever I have to do anything for anyone when I'm when I'm working on something. Like when I when I have like if it's like if I have something that I'm working on and it's like. Okay, it took, even if it's not like a big chore, even if it's like a nice thing, it's like, oh, I'm going to meet that person and it'll be really nice and I'll really enjoy meeting that person. I have this, before it, I always have this like overwhelming sense of like, oh, I think it's guilt. Fuck. It's so kind of a guilt thing, yeah, because it's like, I, I know that I need to work on this, but it's weird because that guilt also overrides what you're doing at that current moment in time where you do have free time. You're kind of, or whatever the feeling is, that sort of like, almost like dread that you're going to be just you're going to be taken away from the thing that you need to be doing mm-hmm. i think that affects it so like to actually have this time where it's like today there is nothing mm-hmm. there's nothing there's literally just the work that is in front of us and like and susie will tell you as well i, I can like i can get a bit artistic a little bit with like re- repetition of hearing something over and over again and your brain kind of melts with it you're like hence why you I went on a walk on my own yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. a couple of days but I, need to, I, think, I think that's quite important for me to be mm-hmm. when I'm sitting like writing or like to be able to actually hear it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and then you hear that little the note that wasn't there before and you're like oh that's that's the next bit mm-hmm. or like and I can also do the opposite where it just makes you your ears get tired and bored of, of hearing it and you eventually just have to hit stop and, and stop it I think that's I think the feeling that you're talking about and even you know needing to repeat it that much I think the fact that you are somewhere where the time has been designated to that 
you don't have anyone else who's trying to contact you you don't have anything else that you have to do it's a very like yogic experience you know that you're dedicating this time solely to this practice and that's you know I think that kind of live even even though you know that usual playing things over and over and over and over and over and over again it's kind of fine because you're like well that's what we're that's what you're supposed to do right now I mean Egg is such an incredibly beautiful island and the fact that we were staying with a view over Rum and down to the sea and with birds flying past and the odd bat Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that was amazing and you know I think it's I think it kind of takes you back in a very non-difficult way it takes you back to your human roots almost where you are out in the middle of nowhere and darkness is real darkness it's Mm. not with a faint orange glow Mm. and you know things like shouting outside and you know like all that kind of stuff I think it really does sort of unlock something that brings contentness I think it's the first time I've ever been to anywhere in Scotland where I did feel like I think most of the places I've been in Scotland are in the south of Scotland and the south of Scotland is really beautiful as well but you do get a sense of you're not in the middle of nowhere, you know. You, mm. you, you are. You, you're never even, really in the middle of even, nowhere. Even even if you're yeah. like up on the the hills, you're sort of. You can see the next town. Yeah, you can. You can. I mean, no. I mean, even even if you can't see the next town, there's it's like quite a well trodden path, and like mm. you know, it's part of a there'll be a, a a little leaflet with the 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 routing, and you know, and you'll probably see other people coming up and down, and and which is again totally fine, but it's nice to to be somewhere where there is more of a sense of a, f- a freedom over it as well. Mm. Um, there definitely is that here. Just that, being on a place where the roads, there's no signs and stuff on the roads. No. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it's completely lawless in that respect. Yeah, that yeah, respect. yeah. It's quite liberating. Um, did you find it took you a few days to settle into the rhythm of it or was it something that would be within the first day you entered the... I think, I think we settled quite quickly. I, feel, I mean, the first the first night we were here, we recorded a whole load of stuff. And I like I quite like to, like, as soon as we arrived, like, I put everything away and I quite like making it feel like home, mm. you know, straight away. And I, I felt pretty settled. I can't believe we've been here for a week. Yeah. There's a, 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 time's kind of flown by, but we also got loads done. Mm. And, I, and I, I, there was, the, whilst we were here, we, we, you know, we were telling you we, we read stuff about Carl Jung and it felt like you were sort of reading as we were reading this it was like whoa this is all kind of unfolding as a a, a part yeah, of like why is it important yeah. that we do that we're reading this here and and like I think you know he he's kind of talking about this um reconnection with uh, mytho- the mythopoeic mind yeah, or something like yeah. that and it's like it kind of felt that being outside of the usual circumstances gives you an opportunity to actually reconnect with that a little bit as well and, and mm. start to think a little bit differently and um I'm about a third of the way through the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it down on Friday. Yeah, no, no, keep right. it yeah. it's, it's no, yours, don't, it's don't worry, don't worry. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's it's really I, 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 I hadn't really read anything about him before but I was like, oh it sounds interesting. Lots of different you know, reading about Temple of Psychic Youth and, and all these things they were referencing and I was like, okay, I got I've got to I've got to kind of um, read this, and and a lot the, the the really odd thing was like so many things that 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 I was reading about were like this is exactly the reasons for this, and like mm-hmm. even even things like the ego and the shadow. That's where Happy Meals 
in our music, you have like the two sides of Happy Meals where you have the full ashram side, which is the shadow, mm. which necessarily exists to the, the ego of the other stuff, which also connects to this to the yin and the yang and all, all of these other. And, and what, what Jung is saying is that this is actually part of our like our collective unconscious mind, which understands and knows these things. And I thought that was really interesting because I realized it was not just with the Happy Meals, but so many different elements of, of my own life is like, has referenced these different symbols and these different, uh, yeah, I guess symbols are probably the best word for it. But like, that really struck me. Do you specifically, when you're creating stuff now then, do you specifically look at trying to um, attain that balance in things that you create so that there will be something that's, uh, like you say, the ego balance with the shadow? Uh, Is that something that you look to create? I don't think we've ever, I think it's it's something that just comes naturally. When we start writing, either it'll be one side or it'll be the other. Because the tracks, I've I've been lucky enough to hear the tracks (laughs) in the cabin and it definitely feels like there is, that's kind of on, that's what's there with those tracks. There was a consciousness behind those two tracks because the the tracks are written from two, two perspectives. perspectives and actually the perspective which is more familiar is uh, being like from a human side is instrumental so like whereas the other side is written from perspective from like from aliens uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously and, uh, <laughs> Which was Happy Meals is actually an aliens band. Yeah. It's the concept we've been playing with for a long time. Nobody has ever noticed. We're going into alien, alien stuff <laughs> now. That was the a conversation there with Happy Meals, now known as Free Love. Wasn't that nice? Interesting people, I'm sure you will agree. Yes. Um, it's quite nice having a conversation there about James Holden because Free Love have now been announced as a support act for James Holden's next batch of live dates, which are happening, I think, in October, which is next month. Uh, 2018 so yeah have a look on the free love facebook page and their website and they'll have all the gig details there you should go and catch them live Uh, i'm not going to talk too much just now because i've talked too much at the beginning i just listened back to the intro i did and my god i'm amazed you've made it this far congratulations you've made it this far yeah well done thank you for listening to the lost map podcast if you've enjoyed it and you would like to hear the music that is being created as part of this project please go to lostmap.com forward slash visitations. Thank you to Creative Scotland for funding this first series of visitations. Thank you to Joe Cormack for editing and producing this episode of the Lost Map podcast. And I'm going to leave you now with a track from the forthcoming Free Love EP, which we'll be releasing to subscribers at the end of this month. This track is the second track on site eight. It's called From Up Here. And yeah, because it'll give you a little taste of what's to come. And there'll be a follow-up interview in a few weeks' time with Free Love. Bye.